Pineda. What are we waiting for? What if this Marine was your brother? Would we wait? Pineda and I stood there for a couple of minutes that passed like hours until the young man died. I stormed out of the bunker. I just walked out, which is something Marines cannot do, but I was so angry, and I was just a kid who two or three years earlier had been playing the saxophone in high school band. This is KBOO, Portland, Oregon. Good morning. This is Glenn Andreessen here beside you now until 12 noon. And with me in the liberal recording studio in the liberal nook of Oregon is Jim Gilbert. Morning, Glenn. And our ace sound engineer, Joe Wilson of Bergman Productions. (laughs) He's waving to all the fans who are pressed up against the windows. And Joe is doing well now. Last week, a little under the weather, we'll, we'll say it, but uh, he's back in action now, too. And we, I, I, I want to say I want to thank you guys for coming out here to the Liberal Nook. And well, yes, indeed. For those of uh, those very few Oregonians that don't know where Liberal Oregon is, it's actually between Malala and Canby in South Clackamas County. Yep. There's a turnoff from Highway 211 right past the mill. Yep, the sawmill. Th- that says Liberal. <laughs> Take a... Take a right. Now, wait a minute. Why would it say that? And I, and I have to say that probably there... <laughs> Do you have that one yet, Joe? I got it. Yeah. Oh, he's got it. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and the number of liberals in the area would be somewhat limited. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as you can attest to from your uh, legislative run, several. <laughs> That's right. Several of them. <laughs> yeah, several years ago is what I was going to say. <laughs> Okay, well, yes, this is the Dirt Bag, a garden variety show. Uh huh. How do you like that? They're king. <laughs> yeah, okay. We're going to keep track of those. Yes, well, we do have a, a very good show here. Uh, like I said, we're recording this two days before our, our air date because I am going to be traveling to Bozeman, Montana for my niece's college graduation, where the temperature will be in the single digits at night. Snow on the ground. You have a warm coat, I hope. Oh, yes. And we're going to be wearing our yak tracks. You know what those are? I haven't heard of them. I think that's a brand name, but it's a little uh, kind of crampon things that you put on the bottoms of your shoes. Really? So Just... you can walk in the ice and snow. Huh. Interesting. Quite effective. We used we used some, um, maybe it was two years ago, and we had a quite a silver thaw in northeast Portland anyway. 
and boy, is it able to keep upright. Well, so. if we were talking earlier about cold, and and definitely November has been a cold month, and uh, you know it's not super super cold, but we've got down to twenty one out here. Oh yeah, and, it is cold. And, I mean uh, by. Northeast yeah. Portland standards, right, and that's how we, that's how we call our why we call our place the Liberal Nook now because it's sort of this little special spot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, after a very warm October, we got you know I've been burned up a lot of firewood already this year. Yeah, you know, so. Okay, well, we, uh, first up uh, today, and we do want to mention before we talk about our lineup here that we are in our year in year end of year fun drive. So we'll be telling you plenty of times that you can donate very easily, but all online, uh, for our show anyway. And that's easy to do by going to kboo.fm. And go to the upper right, there's a donate button, and it's easy to do that. And I like to you know say, I mean, there are many, many volunteers that support KBOO. I listen to folk music every morning from 5.36 when I get up till 7, and... And also on Saturdays, and you know, it's like uh, a lot of people put in a lot of time in to, yep, to be on the show. And we need we need your support if you're able to do so. Yeah. So please consider that uh, donating during the uh, for the dirt bag. Okay, uh, rundown of our program here. We'll have on Farmer Ted. How about that, Farmer Ted from Coley Farm Store, who will is the one who would be sharpening your your garden tools if you are the first to answer correctly the garden stumper and yep. we will have that answer to last month's we did get an uh somebody who wrote in via email to got the correct answer but uh, we'll go over that plus we'll have a new one at about half past the hour and you can uh email us at the dirt bag at kbo.org for that or any gardening question uh, to ask and we'll get it on the air but our our plan is to be live next month Uh, i'll be home so farmer ted will be talking about something that gardeners can do in the off season and that is the care and maybe sharpening of your garden tools hmm tools work so much better when they are sharp and in good condition and they're really safer uh, too so we'll have him on first here then jim will talk about kumquats never talked about that before but a specialized (laughs) citrus plant and i i wondered when i was driving out here i wonder if they're easier to to grow because they're smaller i don't know (laughs) well we could get into that we'll We'll talk about that that. (laughs) Right, right Then uh, we do have some cold weather uh, coming. So what the forecast is for the end of this week. And we'll talk about uh, prepping for that from the plants standpoint and your soil. And also uh, hoses. What to do with those hoses out there. We'll be talking about uh, bare roots versus potted plants and planting now, for example. What what you can do. And a little treat for us here in, in the liberal nook recording studio is jim has shared he unwrapped a 10 year old fruitcake that he had been using as a doorstop no no not really (laughs) no he had been buried in his freezer he said he found four of them or so i was so pleased i mean i like wow what a treasure yeah (laughs) i made these i mean i love fruitcake and i used to make them every year and then stopped and uh didn't know i had these left so uh i'm happy to share them with you guys so yes we have been sampling it here as we were setting up and uh boy that's good no freezer burn it's thawed you know so it's not frozen or whatnot but uh yeah yeah. And I also brought a little bit of more pineapple guava. Yeah, we've been jam- sampling those, eating the flesh and the skin, because uh, one can do that. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that, too. Then uh, we have a new dirtbag dictionary term, harden off. Uh, maybe more appropriate for, say, February, but we're, you know, we're cutting there. You can talk about that there, too. Uh, let's see. What's annoying me? I'll just get this out of the way right now. Oftentimes, I will see kids with their bike helmets on and the adult with them presumably their parents without 
Now, what kind of a message is that given? I mean, yes, granted, they have been, the, the parent will call here in this case is protecting the kid, but that's not a good example uh, in, in, my, in my estimation, and that annoys me. And it could be dangerous, too, so I got that off my chest right off the bat. So let us see if we have Ted. It didn't get bored <laughs> hung up on us there. Ted, you, you still with us? I'm here with you, Glenn. All right. Okay, you're here with all of us. Now, so here we are, Ted, uh, Farmer Ted, Ted Snyder of uh, Coley Farm Store, a long-time fixture. I met Ted, uh, I don't know, Ted, how many years ago was that, 20, 30 years ago maybe? maybe yeah, that, between 20 and 30. I think yep. the first time may have been uh, when you were uh, running the uh, downtown farmer's market. Portland Farmer's Market, yeah. and Glenn was down with the uh, Alternatives to Pesticides booth of Metro. That's right. And now Ted has started and... Uh, uh, the Coley Farmer's Market. I got, yeah, yeah, she kind of started that, didn't you? Yep. Yeah. Ted's lived in uh, the neighborhood for, how long have you lived there, Coley? 16 years 16 now. years, okay. Yep. Well, you know, I grew up not too far from there, Ted. Went oh, to, my goodness. We'll have to talk about that. Yeah, I went to Harvey Scott Grade School. and. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, still, still going strong. Yeah, that's great. Ted's there, too. So as I explained, we're, we've asked you to join us to talk about tools and tool care, and particularly at this downtime, more or less, for gardeners and what... Yeah, you, you rainy can, day work. That's right. Yep. I've been spending a lot of time in the, the new wood shop, uh, so I've put off tool repair, but or, you know, just uh, uh, well, care, we'll call it. So what do, what do, you, what do you have for us? Well, I got a, a little program uh, of, of um, what to do first and what to do next on uh, getting your tools cared for for the winter. Sounds good. And uh, the first thing to do is to clean them off because if you've been using them, they're going to have dirt on them and finger oils and all kinds of stuff. And so you get a bucket of warm water, cold water with your hands, a little uh, dish soap in there, and my trusty green scratchy kitchen sponge. Uh -huh. The green scratchy on one side and the yellow spongy on the other. <laughs> I know exactly what you're speaking of. greatest tool. Yeah. Okay, now why does it need to be cold water for us? Uh, no, it's got to be warm water. Oh, warm uh, water. Warm water. Use warm water because then that treats your hands nicely. Oh, I see what you were saying there. I missed that part. Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. good. The tools don't really care, but, okay. but your hands well, do. Okay. Yeah. So uh, work your, your your wood handles first, like your shovels and hoes and rakes and that kind of stuff. And um, you want to clean all the finger oils from handling them and the garden dirt and any plant saps and all those sorts of things off of there. Uh, and the main reason of doing that is that you're going to be using sharp, abrasive files and sandpaper and stuff. And if there's all kinds of dirt and oils on those uh, surfaces, then it's just going to clog up your your uh, abrasive uh. surfaces and make them not really do what they're supposed to do. So take your kitchen sponge and and get uh, get the handle kind of wet down a little bit, and then use that green scratchy side to go um, with the grain up and down the the, uh, the handle, and uh, just rough it up a little bit, scratch it up, and then take the rinse the sponge off and use the yellow spongy side to kind of wipe all those loose things off of there and get it all nice and clean okay and then um then you can go down once once you do like four or five shovel handles if if, if you start with one by the time you get four or five done the first one's kind of dried out and it's ready for the next step okay but in the meantime you want to clean the blades and and metal surfaces of the tool too uh, i always do those after i do the wood ones so i'm not using really dirty water on the on the wood parts and just you know depositing dirt into the cracks of the of the wood and that kind of thing. Uh, so use the same sponge, same water. If the water's real dirty, you might want to change it out. But um, just uh, wipe down your your metal surfaces, your shovel uh, blades, your hoe blades, your rakes, whatever you're you're working on. Get all the dirt off. And um, if there's any significant dust a uh, rust on those uh, areas, you can use that same green scratchy side mm. and polish some of the rust off. If it's real bad, you can use some, uh, a wire brush or some uh, coarse steel wool 
if it's real bad, you might want to get a, a you know a, a, a wire wheel grinder on your hand drill and just kind of oh, polish yeah. that that rust off with a little little wire wheel. Or if you have a bench grinder, I I, I use a bench grinder because I'm you know I'm a professional. <laughs> and so um, just clean up those metal surfaces, and um, then uh, by by then your 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 wood handles that you washed earlier should be uh, fairly dry. And you can start uh, using some sandpaper on them. And uh, I like to use uh, like a half or a quarter sheet of sandpaper doubled over, because um, if uh, if there if there's any splinters um, oh. that work up on those shovel handles, um, I want to have a little extra layer of sandpaper to protect my hand, so I don't the, get a. <clears throat> yeah, it gives me the willies yeah. just thinking about what yeah. could happen. So a double double sheet of sandpaper is what I use. And I go always go in the in the direction of the grain, back and forth over the handle, kind of moving and moving it along. Don't like concentrate in one place any uh, too long. Uh, just you know, lightly go all over the whole handle. Um, you're just trying to you, since you've already cleaned all the oils and stuff out there, you're just kind of opening up the grain so that it'll absorb some the oil when you go oh, to see. oil the handle to seal it back up again. So you're kind of watching for places that are still dark and trying to lighten them up and stuff like that. If there does happen to be some significant splinters, you can work those a little harder. Sometimes I have to even use like a, a wood rasp if there's a serious splinter to kind of dull it down just so it doesn't have that sharp splinter point on uh -huh. it. And and that also opens up the grain a little bit more so it absorbs more linseed oil, which seals it back up again and almost marries it back into the pattern of the of the handle if you get um, get a good good coat of linseed oil on a on a splinter. It'll it'll kind of hmm. keep it in place. Hmm. Good. So with the with the uh, sanding done, then um, you want to get. Uh, I use a disposable towel, like a blue shop towel, uh, paper towel, uh, something that's not just like toilet paper or or you know paper towel that are kind of weak, but a you know a reinforced paper mm -hmm. towel. Mm -hmm. uh, I usually use a latex glove on my the hand that I'm using to, to hold the, 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 the paper towel. And I, I like to use, like, I, I eat burritos from the uh, uh, to-go place every once in a while, and I get those little plastic salsa cups, oh, and yeah. I'll rinse them out, and then I'll put a little linseed oil in that little salsa cup. And oh. it's, just, it's just the right size to dip the paper towel in so that it absorbs that linseed oil and then rub all over the uh, the wood part of the handle to to seal it up, hmm. and always rubbing in the in the direction of the grain again. You know, just kind of you're not you're not really like saturating the thing so much as rubbing it in and getting it nice and and, and um, uh, tight in in there. Sometimes you'll get those deep furrows that won't won't have much oil, and then you do have to kind of go cross grain if you go kind of squeeze it and uh, squeeze your paper oh, yeah. towel and go around the handle it'll deposit into those deeper uh, cracks in in the handle and fill those up too um, and then um, put it in a warm place to dry for an hour or two and, and and it's good you can put a second coat on the next day if you want but I generally just do a single coat and and if I'm rubbing it in and looking for those dry spots and making sure they're covered then I, it's pretty good. Hmm. Okay. And it's just straight so linseed oil. Yeah, straight linseed oil. Some people say, you know, mix a little kerosene in there, but I find that that just makes a sticky surface for oh, yeah. a lot longer. It doesn't doesn't cure quite as well. Uh -huh. And some people some people use like a tongue oil. And, Glenn, they, they do use melted beeswax sometimes. Right on. And it does work. Uh-huh. But I think... Traditionally, is it's linseed oil, and um, that's that's what I've always used. Okay, and do you yeah. think that'll give you uh, more than one year's worth, or is that? Yeah, I get two or three years if I'm yeah. not leaving the stuff out in the rain. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it makes it, it makes it look really beautiful. It turns the yeah. whole handle kind of dark golden and um, a lot nicer than. Um, just the the weathered uh, varnish that's usually on those things. Uh huh. And and so for for in the instance of a shovel, you've removed the rust from that. Is there any? You don't really have to seal that. 
Do well, I do. I do. You know, oh. um, I, I, after I've removed the rust um, with whatever method I'm using, um, I want to I want to uh, dress the edge a little bit because a lot of times oh. when you're using it, you get little nicks or you, you know, when you when you get a new shovel or a new hoe, um, you know, if you get it at the hardware store, they're not allowed to sell it sharp. That's much too dangerous. <laughs> it's much too useful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so um, y you need to you need to sharpen the edge, uh -huh. and even after it's sharpened, you know you hit a rock and it gets a little nick in it and yeah. bends up the edge or you know something. Um, so you want to you want to um, look at the edge of your shovel or your hoe or whatever tool you're doing and and see if there is a sharpened edge, which direction it's in. Usually on a shovel, it's on uh, the the upside. Um, the cupped side of the shovel um, and then on a hoe it's on the, the, the upside so the, the, the straight unsharpened side is down towards the soil on a straight line and the, and the sharpened angled side is facing, facing up towards you um, and if there's nicks and stuff or bends in there you can use a hammer to straighten things out a little bit uh, on, you know put it on, a, on an anvil or on a concrete surface and just kind of tap it with a hammer and get get any of those nicks out and then um, flatten them out again and then I use a, uh, a hand file for most of my sharpening um, and um, just always go forwards with the hand file not uh, back and forth back and forth is is for sandpaper and, and abrasion but a hand file is actually a cutting tool like a hand saw and so, uh -huh. you know, if you think of using a handsaw, you're always just pushing forward with pressure and then drawing back with no pressure and then pushing forward. It's the same thing with a hand file. It's only cuts in one direction. And if you go back and forth, back and forth, it just dulls the file down. Uh-huh. Does it also have some detrimental effect for the edge that you're trying to sharpen? Yeah, it means that it's not getting sharp. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. So always just push forward you know you can usually brace it with one hand but if you have a vice and you can put it in the vice and, and hold it and then use both hands on the file and push it forward and then lift it up and bring it back and push it forward again um, yeah. that's going to be your best uh, way to do it and you're 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 kind of um, watching and listening the the sound of the of the file hmm. uh, will tell you whether it's cutting or just skipping over the surface so um, you're, 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 you'll, you'll get used to uh, hearing what what the the right sound is for yeah. that. Um, and with a shovel, you only want to shovel the point and about a third of the way up each side. Hmm. You don't go all the way around the whole thing because it's really just the the leading edge that's doing the cutting. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. And so I'll I'll do that, and I'll just kind of watch the 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 silver line that I'm creating by cleaning that uh, uh, sharp edge with the file, uh, I'll just watch that silver bright line and try to make it even, evenly wide and evenly angled as I come around the shovel. Great. Um, if you're doing a fork or a, or a rake, like a digging fork yeah. or a pitch fork, uh, sometimes those tines get bent and it's real easy to straighten them up again. I use a piece of like metal pipe and I'll put the tool on the ground and stand on it and then slip that pipe over the bent part of the blade and just pull it straight again. And what my weight will support you know, or secure the, the tool. And then the, the, the leverage I get from a, you know, like a foot, foot and a half long piece of pipe over that blade or that tine um, will allow me to just straighten it right back up again. Excellent tip. Sometimes if it's a if it's a really bad bend, I'll I'll take my my torch and heat it up, <laughs> and then bend it, That's and then plunge plunge it in water after that to reset the temper. But most of the time, you know, with a minor bend, you can just bend it back in shape, and it's gonna it's gonna last. Yeah, yeah. Well, just about everything that you talked about is is doable for the home uh, gardener, yeah. except probably heating uh -huh. it up with the torch, and just because you wouldn't have that type of right. Uh, yeah. tool there yeah. or yeah. something like that but yeah. a, my, a metal file is a great thing to have in your yes. in your tool t 
toolbox. Yeah. And it, I, I also sometimes I'll use the, the, the metal, the, the grinder bench. I've got a bench grinder and sometimes I have to really reshape the whole head of the shovel and that kind of thing. And sometimes I'll use the belt sander for, for straight things like hoes and axes and hatchets. The belt hmm. sander is, is, is what I use more than anything else. Hmm. And well, then anytime, anytime I finish an edge like that and, and I've got a nice, bright, sharp edge, I'll take a little motor oil. You can use the linseed oil you use on the handle, but I prefer metal uh, to have a, a motor oil, like a 10W40, and just get a little cloth with a little bit of oil and, and dress that that polished edge that I've just created so that it doesn't, since it's, since it's exposed metal, I want to protect that um, uh, mm-hmm. from rust and just rub a little oil on that. Do you coat the, the, we'll say the cup of the shovel at all or by doing anything, does that help? I, I do, you know, at least the first two or three inches where, where it's, it's most uh, exposed. Um, you know, when I'm when I'm doing a shovel in particular, I'm I'm really just concentrating on the leading edge and uh, an inch or two or maybe three at most up into the shovel. Because uh-huh. uh, as you use the shovel, soil is abrasive. It's almost like sandpaper, and the more you use it, the more it cleans and polishes that surface. And so, if you're if as long as your leading edge is clean, then you're going to keep working that that clean edge up into the shovel as you use it. Huh. Okay. Well, Ted, thank you very much for that primer there on home care. And, and if our listeners have too many tools right. or don't want to take uh, to do it at all, they can take them to you, and you would do they it. They can take them to you, and particularly things like pruners and loppers is a little different uh, than shovels and hoes and rakes. So um, I love to uh, show people how to care for their own pruners and loppers, and if you bring stuff in to me, I can uh, give you a little tutorial as I do it, and then you can do it the next time yourself. <laughs> what a wonderful way to learn. Yeah. So Seeing that, is believing. Yeah. <laughs> Farmer Ted of Coley Farm Store, which is exactly, you might get a, f- a free service like that if you are the first one to correctly answer our garden snupper. So we appreciate you uh, donating that service once a month for our listeners. Ted, we appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Ted. Okay, that, you. so that's uh, Coley Farm Store in uh, Northeast Portland at 4209 Northeast Alberta Street. So he's gone. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, well, let's jump into our musical uh, breaks here. What I have uh, lined up today is kind of a tribute to some of the rock singers or players who passed away this year so a little memorial here and some of these are might be a little stretch for you to figure out who who it was but i'll tell you ahead of time so you can so you can listen for that but our first selection here is from the uh plastic ono band john lennon and the Plastic Ono Band, this uh, album's from, it's called Live Peace in Toronto from 1969. And I believe this is when they first introduced the song Cold Turkey, which we're all familiar with. In fact, I think it's Yoko Ono who introduces the song. You'll have to listen carefully there. But the person who has died in this case is the drummer, Alan White, who you may or may not have ever heard of, but you have heard him before, not only in this, but he went it on to be the drummer of the band yes so a very uh, big name in that uh, so uh, cold turkey
Well, it's a disappointment to cut into that, but we've got a show to do here. <laughs> right. We could be a music show, but we, <laughs> we are doing garden stuff. So, <clears throat> so yes. Uh, so Alan White, uh, I didn't write down the how old they were, but uh, I think he was close to 80. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, uh, we have more. We have more tribute there, too. So now we have an answer to last week's Garden Stumper. Do you remember about what it was? Yeah, it was actually okay. last month. Glad just, oh, did I said, say last week? week? Yeah, yep. I wish yep. we it could do this. Month. It would be fun to do this once a week. But last time. Yeah, we just do it once a month. Um, before we, we before I re- return to that, I just got to make a comment about music just because I was I went to a great concert in Portland uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving called The Next Waltz, which is a, a tribute to the band uh, movie and concert called The Last Waltz. And I've gone to that every, well, you know, a lot of probably five times now, and they've had to pause it because of the pandemic. But one thing that really is frustrating to me and is the is how loud they play the music, and I don't know why that is. It's something like louder is not better for me, and I think for most of the people in the audience, it's just uh, hard on your ears. You know? and, and I'm guessing that the average age was well above fifty. It certainly was, and you know <laughs> a lot of us appreciate that kind of music. So I was you know scrambling to get the earplugs in, and and uh, anyway, it's, maybe they were thinking, oh, those old guys can't yeah. hear anyway. So. <laughs> right, louder. They got to turn it up really loud. Anyway, so yeah, so back to the garden stuff. Okay, yes. uh, <clears throat> uh, Last garden stumper was about figs. And uh, basically, the question was: most, well, virtually all fruiting all fruiting plants have flowers, which is how they get then they get pollinated and make fruit, or don't get pollinated in some cases, but they all have flowers. And uh, the fig flower is not visible, and so that's sort of unusual. And so the question was: where are the flowers? And we got a correct answer: that the fig flower is inside the fruit. There it is, hidden away, <laughs> and and, uh, and it's pollinated. Well, in our in our climate here, in our region in, in Oregon, the fig is not pollinated. All the figs that we grow here are are basically self fertile, but in some regions in California, some places and uh, other parts in Europe and so forth, there are a lot of figs that are pollinated by a small. Uh, bug, I would call it a fruit fly, but people, but the name is a wasp, and it's like, you know, it's a very tiny insect that crawls inside the fruit, the fruit of the fig, and pollinates the flower. Very does fast. It, does it come out or does it die in there? It comes out. Okay. Yeah, lays eggs <clears throat> and comes. Well, it doesn't actually in a, in a fig. It doesn't lay eggs because the flowers are too long, and that's how it works. The pollination works, which is a good thing. You don't really want to have a, a fig with a bunch of little wasps inside it. <laughs> Well, speak for yourself, but yeah, I understand your point. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, if I ever find one like that, Glenn, I'll be sure yeah, to get, yeah, right. get it to you. Oh, I don't want to know they're there. No, I see. That's the, okay. that's the right. issue. Okay. Sure. okay, so yes, we did. I think it was Linda who wrote in uh, the first with the correct answer there. But we, we could have used, uh, or maybe we'll just not talk about it too much, another garden stumper a couple of years from now about, you know, well, what pollinates our figs here in Portland? area mm-hmm. that yeah. would be a trick question that would be a trick question yeah, yeah. so don't anybody remember that one no, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay well now it's time for the new garden stumper okay as we mentioned on our last month's show i was off to cuba and I did go and have come back here, and so I learned lots of things. So this might take, this garden stumper has to do with what is grown in Cuba, or actually what is native to Cuba. So you may need some research to do some research on this. But the question is, which, if any, of the following are native to Cuba? Pineapple? Banana, mango, sugarcane, tobacco. So which of any? And it doesn't have to be just one. Or it doesn't have to be any. That's what I was saying. So I'll say those again. Which, are, which of the following are, are native to Cuba? Pineapple, mango, banana, Sugar cane, tobacco. Uh, 
And I'll mention that all three of these are grown there now. Although, all, th all three of what? Excuse me. All five of those are grown there now. Oh, okay. But not like anything before. I mean, the sugar cane was huge, huge. I mean, that's a t tragic part of Cuba life because it was the slave labor that made it <clears throat> such a, a crop. But it's just a fraction of what it used to be there, too. So, so if you uh, want to take a stab at that, of course, you have a, a certain percentage chance. I mean, you only have five options, although there's a lot of options there. But send us an email. The dirtbag at kboo.org. And that's the same address that you would use if you have a gardening question or a tool care question. We've got it all. Okay, well, let's move on here to cold weather. We don't want to get that, let that get by on us because we do have forecasted temperatures <clears> in the, <throat> certainly into the mid 20s maybe lower 20s jim's already had that out here and <clears throat> what do you think where, where would you start well what well, of course we've we're already we like you say we've had it so okay. first the first thing what did you do first, well <laughs> first thing is try to you know make sure we don't have any exposed pipes that are going to get more water is going to get frozen and break something that's like a terrible situation to happen and, and so you know, we'll you know if you have an exposed pipe you know, that's just something that I've always wondered about. You know, <clears throat> wind chill is is a measurement based upon what the skin feels. There is no wind chill for a rock. That's right. So if you were to, if you had exposed pipe and you put insulation around it and there was no water moving through it, so it's just like a pipe, why does the insulation help? Because they've, eventually, the, whatever is outside the insulation is going to permeate inside. Well, it depends on what's, what's, uh, what's around the insulation. If you just have a piece of insulation up in the air around a piece of pipe, it's not going to do anything. But if the insulation is like, uh, if the pipe is coming out of a house, for example, a, a, a water tap or something, the, uh -huh, the latent uh -huh. heat from the house is going to be what the insulation is going to protect the pipe with. Okay. So, okay. And, but if you had exposed pipe in your garden, say, just, you know, like right. out here on the farm, you have pumps or a pump. What do you do with your pumps? Well, I can show you one of you. It's all wrapped up. <laughs> and, and the wrapping goes all the way down to the ground. So, but did you, you know, but there, is there water in those pipes? Or yeah. do you, are you able to drain out the water at the bottom of the pump, pump, pipe well, it, that's it, in the ground? Yeah, in this case, it's actually on top of our, our domestic well and there's a bunch of our pipes up above the ground and so we every every fall we we what we did what we've been doing lately is we take straw in plastic bags and we put them around all those pipes and then wrap the whole thing with another piece of plastic uh and and it insulates the from the out from the air and, and the bottom of that of course in the ground so you're getting the warmth so, from the so ground the, the late in the heat pipes. there too yeah. uh -huh, uh -huh. okay yeah. okay now it's making more sense if you just had pipe laying on the ground, then you might be... If it was laying on the ground... Well, it might be okay. And you covered it with something, definitely that will help. You know, if, if it's so, above the ground and, and there's no... Yeah. There, and you just wrapped it with insulation above the ground, eventually it's going to get as cold inside that pipe as it is outside. So a better way to look at it, in my mind, is the, the insulation that you add is not insulating it from the cold. It is protecting the latent heat from the inside that's that's correct we're getting two yeah. nods here yeah i mean if you had water running through the pipe you know of course yeah. insulation would help and water running doesn't normally freeze anyway yeah. in our climate right uh, so yeah, okay absolutely. well i i digressed there but uh that that helps cl maybe clear it up for others too because i had that little confusion yeah, yeah, and that, and that's you know they say that's, okay, so. that's that's the most important thing that that we do mm -hmm. is to protect our our plumbing because that's obviously essential to all the operations of the nursery yeah. and our house and everything else. So, yeah, and then and and if you had so hoses, you know, you know, it'd be pro probably better to get them inside, but to certainly drain them of any water because frozen water can expand even the the brittle 
frozen whatever the hose is, rubber, vinyl, or PVC. Yeah, it's just not good to have hoses out in the, out in the weather all winter. It, you know, yeah. they, they deteriorate more quickly that way. So get them in. Get them in. If, if you're not using them or right. during the cold weather. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then, uh, so that was the, the, the pipes, the pipe part uh, for soil. You know, I've been putting leaves down on all of my exposed plants, the dahlias mostly. I just leave the bulbs in. And that's most of the time uh, all we need here in our climate. I don't know. The, you have many perennials, but they're not bulbs or root plants, really. I mean, do you, do you lose many plants to cold? Well, we try not to. <laughs> and, and over the years, we've gotten better at protecting them. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, anything you can cover a plant with, uh, you know, like using leaves or straw, yeah. uh, some kind of mulch to, you know, protect it. If it's a, especially, you know, if it's a plant that's going to get hurt by cold, fruit trees and shrubs and so forth typically aren't, that's not yeah. a problem with those unless it's super cold. And uh, and then we, you know, go to extreme levels when we get to that point. I mean, we've done things like, take our potted plants and lay them on their side and cover them with plastic mm -hmm. um, lay them on the ground on their side mm -hmm. uh, if we're getting into we've, you know we've, the coldest temperature I've ever experienced here is zero and that was 40 years ago well not 40 but 35 years ago and then not too long ago we had 5 degrees if some people might remember it got to minus 10 in Eugene which was like I, I just couldn't believe it but the, uh, <laughs> you know that's uh that's darn cold and yeah and then then you're then if you want to you know you your figs for example which are probably hardy to around zero uh are definitely going to be killed back at minus 10 hopefully that's not going to happen again for a while but if anything yeah. like that were to threaten mulching uh, will protect at least the the buds above the ground and, and get a faster start back after after the, uh -huh. the freeze and just soil in general not necessarily for uh, for cold purposes but it's just better better to have it covered with organic matter so life can continue on in the microorganisms and whatnot and just don't come to a screeching halt right it's probably not going to kill them like solarization can yeah, I mean, you know, we we don't worry too much about it here because we keep our soil pretty much covered with something. I mean, we've got yeah. cover crop growing right now on everything, and and uh, you know, it's. I mean, thankfully in the Northwest, I mean, I, I we are so we have a nice climate on this this side of the Cascade Mountains, and and so getting really super cold temperatures is pretty unusual. Yeah, right. and, <clears throat> or pipe breaking. Yeah, temperatures, but, but uh, it's happened. Yeah. <laughs> so don't assume that it won't. I mean, I don't know, you know, what climate change and all these things are going to bring yeah. us. But uh, I was just writing an email to some friends and thanking that 2022 was not like 2021, when we had 11 days with no electricity and oh, yeah. heat heat domes and all that kind of nonsense. Yeah. Oh, geez. So, well, <laughs> if I was a betting person, I'll bet you we do have a little bit. We're going to have more. Extremes. Extremes. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then, uh, well, we can move right in then to bare root versus potted plants. You know, if, if we got this cold weather coming. I wouldn't recommend planting when that's forecast. Although you could, I suppose, with a, with either. Yeah. I mean, if plants are, if, when, it's funny when we talk about cold weather here, you're, you know, you're, you were talking about, you know, maybe 25. Yeah. <laughs> That's nothing. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, it's uh, nothing if you're if, well, if you're used to it, but, right? You know, right. if you're not, then right. If you're a, if you're an orange plant, it would be it'd be something. But, yeah, right. but if you're an apple tree, twenty five is yeah. uh, you know pretty darn warm. Uh, so you can. I mean, I I I'm, I I like to plant stuff, and I like to get it in the ground because the sooner it's in the ground, the faster it'll start growing, and especially yeah. because our soil here doesn't freeze. I know my friends in Vladivostok, Russia, the soil freezes two meters deep, six feet deep. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's crazy deep. Yeah. Well, you know, here, if we get two inches or an inch of frost in the ground, that's pretty significant. Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's about as much as you ever get. So the soil below is somewhere around 50 degrees and roots will grow slowly, but they will grow. And so... If, if you if you've got a, a 
plant that's hardy, and, and this is a, goes back to our garden, the uh, dictionary hardened off, if it would be a, a plant that's in a pot in particular, uh, you know, a plant in a pot could be growing and in well into the fall. So you, you want to make sure it's not, it's, it's, it's hardened off. It's ready to go be outdoors in a cold climate. You could plant it. Uh, bare root trees by their very nature have to be hardened off because you can't dig them until they've gone dormant. Let's take a, a short musical break here and then we'll come, on, come back and talk about the uh, hardening off and Jim's uh, ode to the fruitcake. Okay. okay. <laughs> I don't know that he has anything prepared for us. Uh, but, I could uh, sing songs. Yeah. So. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, we will now uh, turn next to the, uh, before I introduce this <clears throat> person and the song and the group, I will say that this, this person who recently, well, he died this year, uh, he may have been the most copied uh, person for years on uh, from his solo. And you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when you hear me, when, you tell, when I tell you that his name is Ron Bushy and he was the drummer for Iron Butterfly and had that innovative or long anyway, three or four minute drum solo in Inagata De Vida. We're not gonna hear that. We're gonna hear another one though from that album uh, called Are You Happy? So once again, a drummer, uh, Ron Bushy is his name. Yeah, Ron Bushy on drums there, Iron Butterfly. I I can't remember exactly, but the, uh, what's his name, uh, Engel? can't remember his first name now, but he might have been 17 or 18 when he wrote and sang that Inagata De Vida. Good, uh, good music. Yes. Okay, well, let's get back now to the uh, hardening off, uh, just because I think we should cover that a little bit, because... Oftentimes we think about vegetables hardening them off before you get them out of the, you know, your house or your greenhouse into the ground. You, you can't just put them from a warm, cushy environment into the harsh realities. That's right. <laughs> and <clears throat> for one, just the physicalness of it, you know, the wind, the, the stems aren't strong enough oftentimes. And we're talking about veggies now. Veggie starts be a little different with fruit. but So what we recommend, and we'll go over this later on, but in... In later months, but in February or March, when you're ready to put your transplants out, you, you need to what the term that we use harden off, and that's maybe taking them out for ten minutes or fifteen or maybe even an hour at a time, and then moving them back because you don't want to expose them to the wind or the harsh UV rays of the sun and other things that'll just burn them uh, literally and figuratively 
too, or pushed them over or something like that. So in, you can talk about what, what you might want to harden off for a, say a bare root tree. I mean, oftentimes the nursery or the, re, or the retail garden center would harden them off. <clears throat> well, I mean, they're it, out, if they're outside, then they've been hardened off. If you, yeah, like we, I was saying earlier, if it's a bare root fruit tree, it has to be hardened off because you can't dig it until it goes dormant. I mean, so it's ready for to be planted at any time, really, in our climate. I mean, and and just to clarify here, so you, and you wouldn't be keeping those uh, bare root plants in a cushy environment. No, they would always be cold or ch chilled or yes, exactly. So they're hardened off. Uh, Right, so nature, hard, nature nature hardens them off. Yeah, you know they it, they it, lose their leaves, they go dormant. You dig them out of the ground, and then you don't want to put them somewhere warm because you don't want them to start growing, right? Until they're in the ground. Okay, good. That's just good clarification yeah. there. Yeah. So you plant them, and then nature will take care of them. And the same may or may not be true with uh, uh, a potted plant, say a kumquat, which we need to talk about our plant of the month here. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. I mean, you, uh, yeah. And a kumquat, you know, is a, a citrus and citrus we are not really adapted to. They're, they're not really suited for outdoor growing in the Pacific Northwest. They're just not hardy enough. To, okay. So we'll come uh, back to that. Yeah. So, so forget that I said that just, the, but we do want to uh, talk about a little bit the sure the but um, another an example might be a kiwi plant that somebody was growing in a greenhouse and it was happy and green and nice leaves and everything and you could keep it that way but into november in theory you know if it's in a decent environment if it's a nice fairly warm environment with some sun and so forth it'll just keep on growing if you take that outdoors uh, in November and plant it, you, you're probably going to lose most, if not all, of the top because it's just not ready for cold uh -huh. cold weather. So you have to like adapt it to that outdoor environment. Uh, or if 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 it was a nursery or a, whatever, they might just have a, they have a whole greenhouse. They might just keep lowering the temperature of the greenhouse or sure open the doors. Open, you know, yeah. just let let it be more like outdoors. Yeah. And, and then once that's achieved, you, you shouldn't have a problem with those plants. Right. And like we said, you know, if you're buying this plant, then it's it's been hardened off, if you will. I mean, well, if it's if it came from if it came from outside, then it's been hardened off. Let's yes, put it that way. Yes, that's. I think you could, you know, but but be maybe obviously you could take it out of the greenhouse, put it outside, and then sell it the same day, and it might not be. You know, so would there be any green garden centers with with no scruples? <laughs> I don't know if they paid their bills or not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's that's hardening off. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, you can't take it from here to A to B without a, inner, a step. Yeah, it's very important. Right. That. Okay, well, we do have a few minutes left, so let's talk about kumquats. Okay. And, and as I asked earlier, well, are they easier to grow because they're smaller? Sure. Well, you know, I, I love talking about these kind of plants because I love talking about fruiting plants in general and citrus we, we we've learned to call them winter fruit because winter fruit yeah, yeah mm -hmm. and citrus is not something most people think about growing here in the pacific northwest because they're california and florida and places where it's much warmer than we are however you know so we can grow them here but 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 you either you can grow them in outdoors in a greenhouse where you can protect them from severe cold a, the, a citrus plant depending upon what variety kind it is can handle down to sometimes in, into the mid teens but if it has fruit on it which they often which they usually do in the winter 15 degrees or 20 degrees on an orange is going to make it a pretty unpalatable fruit real quickly you know a frozen orange is i don't know yeah. i'm not into <laughs> that so you much mean when it thaws it's uh yeah so, so to speak it's just mushy or well yeah it's just not going to be very good yeah mushy and and okay and the, i mean it'd be like cells, a, cells are all broken you can, inside you can imagine maybe like a frozen strawberry or something when you take it which we do on purpose it, when you take them out to thaw they're kind of mushy yeah yeah, and, and citrus are, I mean, I don't know that you can buy, I mean, frozen citrus are not something that's very commonly purchased and available. Uh, yeah, not so, in our area. Right, right. <laughs> so we don't want a citrus to freeze, generally speaking. If you, you know, a slight frost is not going to hurt them, but 
but uh, the fruit. But if you if you have fruit on the plant, definitely don't uh-huh. don't. Uh-huh. I would try to keep it above freezing. That means you have to keep it in in an environment in our in our climate, either in a greenhouse or indoors. And a lot of people love to grow citrus in their houses because they bloom in the winter and the fragrance is really outrageous. Yeah. And and then the following year, it takes about a year for the for the fruit to ripen. Uh, you have ripe fruit in the winter. So that's how we that and that's how we get to kumquat as one of the types of citrus you can grow. And and what's really cool about kumquat is that you, that, that you eat the skin. Yeah. Is that the only citrus that only that one you, I know of that has a a, well, a, a, a sweet skin? I don't know about skin. you, Jim. You might eat all of some of the other. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm eating this pineapple guava with the, <laughs> that's with the skin. That's very nice too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but I, but yeah, mo, you know, obviously, most people know that you, you know, you don't eat an orange peel. It's I mean, you, well, unless it's you know. candied. Yes, did, right. Did your mother or father ever make candied orange peel around the holiday season? No, never did. Joe? Oh yeah, one of my favorites. Really? Yeah. yeah. You'd well, peel the, them and then you'd boil them in sugar water. Oh, interesting. And, it, and then roll them in sugar. Well, <laughs> you can't taste the citrus. It, yeah. it's, it's good. Yeah. Well, sorry. Kumquat. You uh, the skin is sweet, and the tart and the and the flesh is tart, and, and and when I eat them together, I have like so my grandkids were visiting recently, and the kumquats were ripe, and they picked some, and I it was just like like heavenly really because I love that sweet and then some tartness with it, and and they really got off on it too. I mean, they were really uh-huh. enjoying that fruit. It was a, uh, and 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 they're you know they're small. They're not big fruit, and they're not so common in stores. But you can some you can find them occasionally. Yeah. yeah. And and for the, the, we've been growing them here at the nursery for quite a while. So we've discovered varieties that there are varieties of kumquat, and ones in the store are not likely to be one of the best varieties. I mean, because they've been those are sort of newer ones that uh-huh. haven't been grown so widely. So for the home grower. Uh, a variety, a couple of varieties that I would recommend. One is called Miwa, M-E-I-W-A. It's really good. I mean, it's like like outrageously good. Is this what your grandkids were eating? Yep, yep. And we also ate one called Nor- Nordman Seedless, which the flesh has no seeds, and uh-huh. and it's also really really good. And I wish I had one to share with you guys, but one of these days, maybe next show, we'll see what they when they ripen again. You know what? question there a thought just occurred to me to ask you what do you ever give out kumquats for trick-or-treats <laughs> well where we live out here in our little liberal farm nook there aren't any trick-or-treaters okay. coming by so, more for you and your grandkids yeah i mean i it would be kind of interesting if somebody did come <laughs> but, oh, well uh, they've got the word the words out oh, oh yeah now that, right that house right, is only uh, given us right, right cars lying down the road from portland people waiting to come and get their kumquats <laughs> well, well that's a good uh, one, just one last just one last question here did did the these kumquats that your grandkids picked were they out were they in a greenhouse? Yes. And do they stay in that greenhouse year round? Yes. Okay, so you've got this kind of nice environment. Yeah, we control the temperature because yeah, right. we could okay. bring them in our house, but that would we don't have a very big house, and it's a lot easier to get keep heavy. Them in the greenhouse. You know, that's what I understand from a lot of potted plants. You know, they're just too heavy to roll in and out anymore. It isn't so much the heaviness of it; it's just the space. I mean, we we have you know hundreds of plants. Yeah. You know, so well, yes, yes, yeah, course. and and we don't keep the greenhouse very warm. I mean, we, it's it, and in the in the summer, it's totally exposed to. The, we don't. Yeah. They're out. We take the plastic off the greenhouse in the summer, so okay. they're the only the only thing we're really doing with the greenhouse is keeping them from getting frozen. Mm. That's all. We're not trying okay. to keep them warm. We're not trying to keep them like in some kind of artificial environment. It's just. So for for our dirtbag listeners, then they could, you know, since the holiday gift giving season is coming upon us, they could ask for a greenhouse. Yeah, they could. Gifts for gardeners. Sure. Get a greenhouse. You could ask for a yacht too, but I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Jim. We're we're about out of time here. I want to introduce our last, uh, we'll go out, we'll go out with this. This is a double, a double shot here. We all are familiar with the tune Summer Breeze from Seals and Crofts. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Jim Seals passed away, part oh. of Seals and Croft. But this is uh, per, uh, by uh, Ramsey Lewis Trio here, and Ramsey Lewis also passed away this year. So 
Summer Breeze. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Thanks Glenn. for hosting us out here in the uh, Liberal Nook recording studio. See you in the big city in and, January. Uh, Joe, appreciate it. His, his uh, little roadcaster soundboard is great. Appreciate it, Joe. Thank you. Okay. We'll be back live next month. Be well. Have a good season. Happy holidays. to KBOO Portland. Coming up next is Jazz Lives, right after these news headlines. Bienvenidos a un breve informativo en su estación comunitaria KBOO 90.7 FM.